Good morning, everyone. Happy Resurrection Day. Morning. Let me say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. He is risen, the Easter song. Good morning, everyone. You know what? If Christ did not raise from the dead, Christianity has ultimately nothing to offer. But he did, right? For our announcement, uh, women's ministry this coming Friday, uh, April 14 at 6.30 p.m. And men's prayer breakfast this coming Saturday at 8.30 a.m. And Ruth Heatherly Memorial Service this coming Saturday, April 15 at 10.30 a.m. For our guests, if this is your first time, welcome to Tusamano Baptist Church, and we encourage you to fill out our guest registration card, and we hope that you would enjoy worshiping with us today. Shall we pray? Our loving, sovereign God, we praise and thank you for your unconditional and sacrificial love for us that was manifested at the cross of Calvary. Today, as we think and study about your resurrection, our hearts shout for joy because without your your resurrection, all men would still be in their sin, as what your word says. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our faith has nothing to it. You are still guilty of your sin. 
Our Christian life is lifeless. We have nothing to justify our faith, our preaching, witnessing, ministries, our services, our worship, have nothing to justify our hope, either for this life or the next. But we thank you, Lord, that Christ raised from the dead, that Christ has truly been raised from the dead, the first one in proof that those who sleep in death will also be raised. In Adam, all of us die in the same way. In Christ, all of us will be made alive again. In Christ's precious name, amen. Amen. Before I sing a song for you this morning, we're going to read a, I'm going to read a scripture to you about the resurrection of Christ. I'm going to try to read a scripture to you. Satan's been against us this morning in several ways, but uh, the Lord is with us, and we're going to serve him and rejoice in him and worship him. Amen? Amen? The devil doesn't like it when Christians get excited and worship and praise and obey God, right? But that's what our life is. That is our life. So let's, I'm going to read for you today. Matthew 28, 5 through 7. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And we believe that like they did, right? And we don't just know that it was going to happen. We know it did happen. Amen. I'd like to sing a song for you this morning. Before we get to the point of the resurrection, Jesus had to suffer and offer his life and die as a sacrifice for our sin. And that's what this song talks about. Tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see the man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding from a beating, and there were stripes upon his back, and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head and he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death down the via dolorosa called the way of suffering like a lamb went the messiah christ the king but he chose walk that road out of his love for you and me down the Via Dolorosa all the way 
la via dolorosa, triste día en Jerusalén. Los soldados le abren paso a Jesús, mas la gente se acercaba para ver a se llevaba aquella cruz. Por la vía dolorosa es la vía del dolor, como deja vino Cristo, Señor. Que quiso ir por su amor, por ti, por mí, por la vía dolorosa a Calvario y a morir. The blood that would cleanse the souls of all men made its way to the heart. Jerusalem, down the Via Dolorosa, called the way of suffering, like a lamb went the Messiah, Christ the King, but he chose to walk that road out of his love. Down the Via Dolorosa, all the way to Calvary. Down the Via Dolorosa, all the way to Calvary. to that. What a Savior. Hallelujah. Now we're going to sing about the resurrection. Yay! Amen. You know, the Bible says that he was in the grave, and then the stone was rolled away, and he came out of the grave to live forever, and is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us every day. Don't forget that. Let's sing. Low in the grave he lay, then he arose.
salvation is in Christ alone. One day they let him. I'm sorry. I uh, I got my pages mixed up, and um, I was I was about to start singing in Christ alone with that music, and I'm telling you, it wasn't gonna work. I was I was I was planning it out and figuring out, you know. As I said in the earlier service, those of you who know me uh, are not surprised. Thank you, John. Any other amens? Get it over right now. What are we singing next? Oh, good. You mean I was right? Oh. Don't get your hopes up. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. Ah. Uh. 
rejoice in that every single day of this year amen all right now let's sing together glorious day are we going to sing together am i missing something you can do it now right glorious day one day One day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sins, my Redeemer is He. And that healed nations stretched out on a tree, He took the nails free, living He loved me, dying He saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, a glorious day, a glorious day. One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him. Could not keep him rising again. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, a glorious day. Oh, glorious day, glorious day. 
trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved one bringing. My Savior Jesus is mine. Living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried. My sins are away. Rising he justified. Freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day, glorious day. going to get much better than that anywhere in the world today. Amen. Hallelujah. What a Savior. When you and your church give, you send hope. In small towns, big cities, and college campuses, God uses your sacrificial giving and your partnership with the North American Mission Board to make this happen over and over again. And at NAM, we think it's important for you to know how God uses your gifts to produce results. Southern Baptist churches like yours fund North America missions through two primary sources. First, the cooperative program. Your gifts to the CP typically come from your church budget and then go directly to your state convention. Each state then sends a portion of that money to the SBC Executive Committee, and from there, more than half of CP goes to the International Mission Board. NAM, SBC Seminaries, and other entities receive a percentage as well. NAM receives 22.79% of cooperative program dollars. We use those funds to support evangelism events, to support ministry centers and missionaries, to endorse chaplains, and for operations. Altogether, those funds make up 35% of our budget. But the largest part of NAM's budget, 50%, comes from the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American Missions. More than 100 years ago, this offering was named for a bold missions advocate who rallied SBC churches in support of missionaries. Today, Southern Baptists have thousands of missionaries serving in North America. They are spreading the gospel through Sin Network, our church planning arm, and Sin Relief, our evangelistic compassion ministry area. And when you give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering through special offerings, your church budget, or directly to NAM, you're helping these missionaries by providing the fuel to assess, train, coach, and care for them. It helps pay for things like Bibles, curriculum, ministry equipment, or even rent for a worship facility. Some churches may refer to this offering as the North America Missions Offering or something else. Whatever you choose to call the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering, it is unique because every dollar goes directly to support missionaries where the need and the opportunity are the greatest. It goes all over North America, including our largest, most influential cities where the gospel presence has been on the decline. Your giving helps plant new, reproducing churches. And now, in many urban areas, we're starting to gain ground. It goes to places like international and refugee communities where tens of thousands of people, many from countries close to the gospel, move every year. 
Your giving is sending missionaries to love them and share the hope of Christ. In a hundred different ways, in a thousand different places, all of your gifts are enabling missionaries to start new churches, baptize new believers, and make disciples. That's how your giving works. As you pray and give, we at the North American Mission Board are so grateful to be your partner, helping you fulfill the Great Commission. Together with you and your church, every day we are sending hope. You heard what he said. We need to give to missions, right? Good morning, Tucson Mountain. If you were here earlier, it's a little warmer in here, right? It looked cool out there this morning. So this is a continuation of what we talked about outside. How much does God really care about me? We need to think about this. The most important thing we can ever believe in our life is what we believe about God. And as we look at this this morning, I want us to think. You know, what we believe about God affects every area of our life. It affects how we deal with our past. It affects how we live for today and how we face our future. But there's many times, unfortunately, that there's a lot of things that distort that view of God. They can be things, unfortunately, like the media, our own life's personal painful experiences, what other people tell us, our own insecurities, maybe our own sin. All those things can distort our view of God. And the sad part is, I believe many people today have an inaccurate view of God. And as we think about this, we can't, we can't think about God like an impersonal deity, like he's a distant deity. It's not like Star Wars, may the force be with you. He's close. He's not a judgmental parent. He's not someone that's unpleasable. He's not a cruel and mean and heartless God. He's a very personal God. The problem is when you don't understand who God is or what God is like, you usually make two terrible mistakes. The very first one is you either deny him, like so many people today do, or you think up, you create your own little God, and you say, this is what God's like. And we have to be careful of those things. The truth is, and the sad fact is, our personal opinion doesn't really matter. It's what the truth is. It's what the fact is. And we need to be thinking about that. What matters is God's truth. And he tells us in so many different ways. And one of the ways we've learned about this morning already is that he is risen. Amen? Amen. If we don't know what and who God is really like, then when you face those conflicts and those crises in life and you've built your life on a faulty foundation, it's going to collapse and life is going to fall apart. I believe with all my heart and soul that if more people truly understood who God is and what God is like, they would come to know him and want to follow his plan for their life. And they'd be willing to put in the time, energy, and effort to do that. But many do not. You know, we've all seen the bumper stickers that say, God cares, God loves you, those type of things in our life. But 
how do we know genuinely deep down inside that God cares about us? He tells us in many, many various ways over and over again. But do we really listen? Do we just hear or do we really listen? I want us to think about three particular ways today. And there's countless ways to do this, but I just want to focus on three today. The very first one is God cares enough about us, about you, about me, to reveal himself to us. To reveal himself to you and to me. You know, for a human being to try to understand God, it would be like an ant trying to understand us. Our minds, our, our brain capacity is not big enough to completely understand God. But we need to try to communicate with him. And if he, he wants to communicate with us, and it's very important because if we think about it, in order for him to communicate us, like the ant, he had to come and be one of us. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to do that for him. He sent his son to come in that human fleshly form to draw close to us and to under, so that we could understand who and what he was really like. Luke 2.32 says, A light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. You can look at Christ and say, you know, that's what God is really like. He tells us in Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ came to earth to reveal himself to us and show us who and what God is really like. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father in John 14.9. That's a pretty audacious statement if you think about it for a moment. Of course, like I said outside, he said a lot of different and amazing things. I am God. I'm the only way to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. I'm the door. I'm the bread of life. I'm the water of life. He says these things over and over again. He br but it brings up a critical question for us as believers, and maybe for someone here this morning that's seeking and wanting to be a believer or are curious about it. But he says this. He says, you know what? I'm God. And when you see me, you see the Heavenly Father. And I am the only way to heaven. He tells us that over and over again. The most important issue you're ever going to settle in your life is Jesus, God, who he says he is, or is he a fraud? That's the question that many people ask themselves. Your answer to that question is going to determine the rest of your life. It's going to determine the rest of your life here on earth and it's going to de determine your eternal destiny. God has given us some clues. Think about this. It's pretty clear. We can see a lot of things in creation, right? Think about all these things. We, we talked about it several weeks ago. There's a certain alignment of the planets and, and the axis of the earth is tilted just right. And we're in the solar system in the just right place so that life can survive. And we have just enough heat and just enough warmth and just enough coolness to be able to live. 
It's tilted just right so we don't burn up or we don't freeze to death. Look at the organization within the human body. We talked about all the systems several weeks ago that are in our body. God is a highly organized God. And he shows us that. We know by looking at nature, he's all-powerful. Think about all the powerful things, the sun, the wind, the waves of the ocean, the volcanoes or tornadoes, all the things we see in the news sometimes that are just devastating to us. But all those things are there, the earthquakes. God is a powerful God. God's also a very creative God. He's very creative because he loves beauty and he loves variety. Think of it. He could have said, you know what? There's only three colors. There's black, blue, and gray. Nothing else. But he didn't do that. He created all the colors, and he created all of our eyes to be able to enjoy those colors and see the things on the earth. He created the flowers. He created, God's also got a sense of humor. Think about it. You ever seen an orangutan with those long old arms hanging down and a sloth moving like, you know, you you have to strike a match and sort of watch and see if he's really going anywhere because he's not going anywhere. He's got a great sense of humor. You looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> you ever noticed how he puts opposites together in marriage and relationships? Think about that one. If that's all we knew about God, if that's what we knew about God, we still would have a very limited view of God. And I think a lot of folks out there have a very limited view of God. He came up with a second way to reveal himself. He says, I'm going to send my son and he is going to reveal who I am to all the world. And he did that. And he died on the cross for us on a day much like Friday. And much like a Sunday 2,020 plus years ago he rose much like a morning today and because of that we have the opportunity to walk with him you know 500 people saw him after he was resurrected he walked the streets of Jerusalem and we see it over and over again do you ever wonder I, I often wonder after I read the story and think about it you ever wonder what those people thought that crucified him and put him on the cross after he walked those streets of Jerusalem and came back? I thought about that. I bet you that shook him up. He proved he was God's son because he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Three days later, he appeared again. Alive. That's why we celebrate Easter. The question is, what do we really know about God? What do we know about God because of Jesus? We know we're not here by accident. We know that God has made you for a reason. We know that God has a plan for your life. We know that even though we're deeply flawed, no matter how messed up we are, that he loves us and he cares about us. And he came to earth to offer a relationship to us and for us. Jesus often told stories that told eternal truths. And in John 15, he tells three specific stories real quickly that are, that are all basically have the same point. 
And I want us to review those this morning. The very first one, of course, in John 15, or Luke 15, rather, excuse me, was the shepherd with a hundred sheep. The shepherd had a hundred sheep, and all of a sudden there's one sheep missing. And what does he do? He takes the time, energy, and effort, and he goes and looks for that one lost sheep. He leaves the 99, and he goes and he looks high and low all over to find that one lost sheep. And then when he finds him, he's so thrilled, he brings the sheep back and he throws a party. And then the next one is, is the second story of the woman with the lost coin. She has ten originally, but she loses one. She's got nine left, but she wants to find that one coin. So she turns her house upside down. She sweeps, she dusts, she cleans, she looks in every crack, cranny, and crevice. She finally finds the lost coin. And she calls her neighbors, and she has them all come in, and she has a party because she's found the one lost coin. And then the third one, of course, is the one about the prodigal son. The son that went to the father. Two boys, one father. The one son says, Dad, I'm, I'm out of here. This is a boring place. I'm leaving. I want my part of the inheritance. Dad says, well, okay. So he gives him his portion of the inheritance, and the kid leaves. He goes to a foreign land, and he spends his money on wine, women, and song, and probably not much song because it sounds like he's crying before he's over with. But you know what? He comes to his senses because he's feeding the pigs in the pig trough, and all he's got to eat is what the pigs are eating, slop. And he comes to his senses, and he says, what have I, what was I thinking? He said, the servants in my father's house are eating better than this. They have a warm place to stay. They're taken care of. I'm going back home. So he repents, and he goes back home. And his father sees him afar off. And he says, you know what? That's my son. I know who he is. And he runs out, and he hugs him, and he kisses him, and he puts a robe on him, and he gives him the signet ring. What's the point of all three of those stories? It's the same point in all three of the stories. He, and, and the father's so happy, he says, let's, let's kill the fattened calf and have a party. What's the bottom line? It's not that they have a party at the end of each one of these. The bottom line is, the common denominator is this. The common denominator in each story is that something valuable was lost and they did a search and rescue mission to find what was lost. And they didn't stop until they found what was lost. That's the way Christ does with us. He doesn't stop until he found, finds what is lost. He cares about each and every one of us. He loves each and every one of us. Listen, the sheep mattered to the shepherd. The coin mattered to the woman. And obviously, the son mattered to the father. He cares more about you and me than we'll ever understand. In each of those stories, there was no rest until what was needed to be found was found. The second thing is, he cares enough to rescue you. He cares enough to rescue you and me. You may never realize how much we really need a Savior, but you do. If you didn't need a Savior, Jesus wouldn't have come to earth. 
He wouldn't have taken the time and energy and effort if we didn't need a Savior to rescue us. Do you remember when the angels came to the shepherds and announced Jesus' birth? In Luke 2, 10 and 11, it says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Listen, we need someone to rescue us. We always have and we always will. I've never met anyone that does not carry some degree of guilt about past mistakes and sins and errors in their life. We say, what do we need rescued from? A lot. A lot, unfortunately. Listen, when we break man's laws, we have to pay the penalty of man's laws. But when we break God's laws, we have to pay the penalty of God's laws. We have to pay that price. But we don't have to pay the price if we surrender to Christ. Because Christ has already paid that penalty for us. We can't let, he can't let people just get away with sin. God is a loving God, yes, but God is also a just God. And those things in life that we do that are wrong have to be justified. Galatians 1.4 says this, The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, he gave himself for our sins. He paid the penalty and provided atonement. Somebody had to pay the penalty for the wrong that we did. It'd be much like if I went out and robbed a bank and one of you stepped forward and says, you know what, I'm going to pay that price for you. I'm going to serve that jail time for you, even though you did the crime. It's exactly what he did for us. The same exact thing. He took our place. He became our rescuer. He became our savior. Every sin you have committed, every sin you ever will commit, he's already paid the penalty and price for that. He did that by dying on the cross. There's three things we have to remember. Jesus came to rescue me from the guilt of my past. From the guilt of my past. You know, it, it's hard for us to understand that. But those things in our past, he's already paid for. We also have to remember he came to rescue us from a meaningless life. John 10.10 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Many translations say, have it more abundantly. He doesn't want us to just lead a life that is where we just exist. There's more to life than existing. You can't just go from, from job to job, work to work, and live just a life of existence. Most people haven't the slightest clue what their purpose in life really is. But Jesus says, I have a purpose. I have a plan for you. And I want you to follow it. I want to give you a life of meaning. There's many people in life that have no idea 
why they're here, where they came from, or where they're going, or why they exist. But Jesus says, I've got a plan. When you get in a relationship and you begin to understand what that plan and purpose in your life is, it'll become clearer day by day. But a third thing is Jesus rescues us from the fear of death. We sang about it. Look at what it says in Hebrews 2, 14, 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Listen, I believe there's a general, universal fear of death. I believe it's real. You want to blow somebody's mind? Call them up and invite them over for lunch or brunch and say, hey, you know what? Let's have a cup of coffee and talk about death. That would scare them because they don't want to talk about that. It's not a subject people usually talk about. But scripture says Jesus sets us free from the fear of death. How does he do that? I recently heard about a man's dad who was dying. And the doctor unfortunately released the dad to hospice which, as most of us know, that means that there's a short time and there's nothing more that the doctor can do. But what took place is, you know, even though the doctor said I can't do anything else, I want you to know that I'm here. So the dad said, you know, I I would like to pray with the doctor before we left. And the prayer went something like this. He thanked the doctor for his care and taking care of him all those months. And then he bowed his head and he prayed a prayer. God, I'm ready to go whenever you want me to go. I'm on your timetable. That dad was not afraid of dying because he knew where he was going. He knew where he was, he knew where he had been, and he knew where he was going. There was no question in his life. See, for a Christian, death is just a transfer from this life to the next. Because the overall thing is, you know, we have to remember that's what Easter is really all about. That's what Christ did for us. He just transferred from one life to another. And we're going to do the same as Christians. Jesus Christ broke the power over death. And that's why we celebrate. Do you remember when Jesus was talking to Lazarus' sisters? He said this in John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asked a very pointed question. 
It may be the end of your fleshly body, but it's not the end of you. You have a spirit and a soul inside of you that God placed there for a reason and a purpose. And he says, you know what? There's, there, you're made to last forever, and you're going to last in one of two places. You're going to last in heaven, or you're going to last in hell. And you get to choose. He tells us that. You get to choose. Where do you want to spend your eternity? He came to earth to die for our sins so that we don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. He came to rescue you. But the question a lot of people sometimes ask is why? Why did he do that? You might say, I'm not good enough. You know? Or maybe you think, I am good enough. But how good do you have to be? As I said in an earlier service, you have to be perfect in order to go there without Christ. And we already surmised that's not going to take place. You don't stand a chance, and neither do I. God sent his son who lived the perfect life, not only as an example, but to die for our sins so that we could get into heaven. He did that for us because he loves us. Listen, he's our rescuer. He's our savior. He loves us. He's prepared an eternal home in heaven for us. And we can go there if we so choose. You don't need to completely understand it. I have people that sometimes come to me and they say, I don't understand. I really need to understand before I do this. Listen, if you're drowning and somebody throws you a life preserver... You're not going to say, oh, where'd this come from? Is this going to hold me up? Do I really need this? You're just going to grab onto it and you're going to cling to it because it's going to save your life. When Christ makes the offer of salvation, that's what we need to do. We need to grab onto it and cling to it like your life depends on it because it does. Your eternal life depends on that decision. You know, Charles Murray was a student at the University of Cincinnati many years ago preparing for the Summer Olympics. He was a diver. He'd never gone to church. he never had any Christian friends. But when he went to university, he met some Christians. And those Christians started telling him about how God loved him and how God cared for him and how God wanted a personal relationship with him. And... He listened, but he was quite honestly pretty skeptical about it all, initially. But he listened to his friends, and the more he listened about God wanting to rescue him and save him, he became curious. But one night he called up his friend, and he was asking him to tell him some of those verses. So he listened to those verses, and as he hung up, he thought, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go over to the pool and practice some diving. And because he was preparing for the Olympics, he was able to get into the pool after hours. And the pool was closed, but it was an enclosed pool with an open window skylights on the top. And the moon was shining bright. So he went in, and he climbed up to the very top platform of the diving platform. And as he was there, 
he started thinking about those verses that his friend had told him about. And he was standing on that top platform and he was getting ready to take his first dive. And he backed up to the edge of the platform and he put his arms out like that. And the moon was shining through those glass on the top of that ceiling. And he saw the shadow of his outstretched arms and how he made a cross on the wall in front of him. And he realized for the very first time in his life that Christ had died on that cross for him. And he sat down on that platform and gave his life to Christ right then and there. And as he's sitting there in the dark, praying to God and talking to God, he says, I don't understand it all, but I'm giving my life to you. He realized that Christ had died for him. He prayed, Jesus, come into my life and make a difference in my life. I need you to do that. And as he's sitting on the edge of the platform, all of a sudden the janitor comes in and flips on the lights. And it startles him. So he stands up and he turns around and he looks down off the edge of the platform. And he realizes the pool had been drained for repairs. He realized right then and there how special he really was to God. How much he genuinely mattered to God. Listen, without Christ in our life, we're headed for a major crack-up. Without Christ in our life, we're headed for major disaster. Without Christ in our life, we're going to hit the bottom one day. I want to say to you today, God brought you here for a reason and a purpose. It was to hear the message of Christ in your life. It was to make sure you understood just how special you are and just how much God loves you and cares for you. If you're already a Christian, this is just a reminder that we need to commit our lives to him each and every day. But if you're not a Christian, but you've been looking, you've been thinking, you've been praying, thinking about it, asking God to show you the truth, this is the truth. We can't begin to comprehend how much God loves us, how deep, how wide God really loves us and cares for us. He came to rescue you from the guilt of the past. He came to keep us from a meaningless life. He came to remind us and that there's no, there's no fear in the future. There's no fear of death. But there's something even more amazing. He cares enough about us to relate to us personally. To relate to you and me personally. Think about that. You were made for a personal relationship with God who created all the heavens and the universe. You were created as an object of God's love. For him to love you and for you to love him. It's the most mind-blowing, amazing thing, concept I can wrap my mind around. And I can't even wrap my mind around it half the time. God wanted to have a personal relationship with me. Every one of us has rejected Christ and God in some way. 
At some point in our life, we've said, nah, I'm going to go do my own thing. I've got my own ambitions. I've got my own things I want to do. And somehow we sort of thumb our nose at God. And God says, I love you anyway. Every one of us has rejected him. And we, 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 we much like a, a bridge, an old worn out bridge, that bridge collapses but God doesn't want that bridge to stay collapsed. He doesn't want it to, to stay down. He doesn't want that void to continue and exist. He wants to build that bridge back up. That's why he sent Jesus, is to put that bridge back under us. You remember the old Simon and Garfunkel song, Bridge Over Troubled Water? Jesus is our bridge over troubled water. We have to remember that. God sent Christ to restore the relationship with all of humanity. He sent Christ to love us and save us and rescue us. And we are so valuable that he sent his son to find us and redeem us. You may think you're the biggest atheist in the world. You may have committed what you believe is the unpardonable sin. Maybe you've gotten involved in some things that you deeply regret and are ashamed of. Maybe it was a situation where you were caught in adultery or you were... Maybe you committed murder. Maybe you aborted a baby. Maybe you stole things to support a drug habit. Maybe you got involved in homosexuality. But you know what? God says, I love you anyway. I care about you. I love you. I want a relationship with you. God still wants to have that relationship with you. There's nothing you can do that will have him make you love you any less. And there's nothing you can do that will make you have him love you any more. Because his love is not based on what we do, it's based on who he is. And he loves us in spite of our faults. God wants to have that personal relationship with you. I cannot tell you, I'll never forget the day I finally realized how much God really loved me in spite of who I was. What that meant to me. You know, I basically said I do to God. I want you in my life. I want to commit my life to you. I want to allow you to work through me, however you see fit. I have to admit, when I said that prayer, there was nothing really emotional about it. I didn't hear thunder, didn't see lightning. No angels came down and flapped their wings around me. There was no quiver in my liver. There was no big, big emotional outburst. But over time, God worked in my life to draw me closer to him so I understood it was a simple matter of a fact and a decision that made that said Lord you have to take control of my life because I've been controlling it and I've been messing it up but if I let you take control of it I know it's going to get better just a simple statement says Lord come into my life take control of my life and move be where you want. 
It's the best decision I've ever made. Wisest decision I've probably ever made. Romans 5, 10, and 11 said, For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You are reconciled to God. You have now received life. Imagine that you can be called a friend of God. That's awesome. Think about it for a second. You know, sometimes we get value through our association with other people. And you can now say, I am a friend of God. How great to know you're the closest friend of God. Jesus taught that we could refer to God in an intimate, loving, and personal way. That, that's why the religious leaders of his day were ticked off all the time. Because he was bringing terminology in that was much more personal and much more intimate. They said, they said Jesus told them, you know, you can call God your father, Abba. In Aramaic, it's, it's Daddy. You can call your heavenly father daddy because he loves you that much and he cares for you that much. But you have to develop that relationship and in order to do that, you have to talk to him. You have to spend time listening to him. You have to spend time with him. It all begins with a decision that I want to be committed to you. It's like getting married. One day many years ago, almost 47 years now, I stood up with my lovely wife, Kathy, and I said, I do, in front of a whole bunch of people. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. <laughs> and I had no idea that it would take me the rest of my life to work out the implications of those two words. But when you say, I do, you're saying, I want a relationship with you. You know, when we were first dating, the, one of the things that I, I, I couldn't keep money in my pocket. I want to buy her stuff. I want to spend all my time with her. I wanted to develop that relationship because I loved her and she loved me. It's the same way with Christ. You want to develop that relationship. You want to have that close, personal relationship. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It's not a promise for everybody. It's only for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's only for those who have that personal relationship with him. If God has promised to meet all my needs, does that mean that word all? What does that include? Does that mean my physical needs? Yes. Does that mean my spiritual needs? Yes, of course. Does it mean my emotional needs? Absolutely. Does it mean my financial needs? Yes. How about my relational needs? Does it mean all? Does it really mean all? Yeah, it does. Listen. If you just wanted to exist in life, all you need is food, water, and air. You could exist with just those three things. 
But if you want to live a life with Christ, you have to have more. If you're really going to live, you have to need to be loved. You have to have a purpose in life. You have to have healing from your past hurts. You have to know and have hope and forgiveness of your sins. God's power in your life is so much more. He offers you support. He offers you stability. He offers you life, not just an existence. You need wisdom to make smart decisions. God said, I will meet all those needs and more if you'll simply trust in me. Here's a question. If this is how much God really loves you, if this is how much God cares for you, don't you think you ought to get to know him better? 1 Timothy 6.1 says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and your teaching may not be slandered. You know, some people have missed the most important thing in life. They've missed that opportunity to really know God. You may make a million dollars. You may get your picture on the cover of Time or Newsweek or even Rolling Stone if you're a musician. But you know what? You can be famous. You can have all kind of pleasure. You can have all kind of toys. But if you've missed your real purpose in life, you're just existing. And God tells us that. I want to leave you with this prayer this morning. And it's actually from Scripture. It's Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. This is my prayer for all of us today. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what we need today. That's why we celebrate today. I don't want you just to know it. I want you to feel it, and I want you to experience it. It's important that we understand that he reveals himself to us, he rescues us, and he relates to us in a very personal and intimate way. And I pray that you'll understand that today. You can start that journey if you so desire today, if you haven't already, with just a few simple words. Thank you, God, for loving me. That's where it needs to start. What do you have to lose if you accept Christ? Think about this. What do you have to lose besides guilt, worry, fear, hell, condemnation? What do you have to gain? Everything. Everything. All your past forgiven. God's salvation. And the eternal home in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today. We thank you for the fact that you gave your son on the cross for us.
We thank you for this Resurrection Sunday and, and, and the power that it has in our life. We thank you for the blessings and the watch care in our life. Father, if there's anyone here that has not ever begun that relationship with you, I pray that you would draw them to you today. I pray that you would help them know about you. I pray that you'd give them the courage to make the wisest decision of their lives and open up their heart to you today. It's a simple prayer. It goes something like this. Today I realize how much you love me, Lord, in spite of all my faults. I know that you care enough about me that you sent Jesus to pay the price for those sins. I admit that I haven't fully realized or maybe understood in the past how much I needed you in my life. But I do need your forgiveness now for all those things I've done wrong. I need to know the purpose that you've made me for and I need to accept your free gift of eternal life and that home in heaven. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for me. And I want to have that personal relationship with you today. I open my life to you, just like Charles did on that diving platform so many years ago. I surrender. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that they pray that prayer. I pray that they'll draw closer to you. And those that know you, I pray that this would be a time of, of renewal and, and re-energizing re ourselves and our commitment to you, to follow you and to draw closer to you and to learn more about you and who you really are and what you really mean in our lives. Strengthen us, encourage us, and empower us to be who you want us to be. Help us understand your plan and your purposes in our life so that we become the Christian that you want us to be and that you move us closer and closer to you each and every day. Father, if there's any here that have made that decision, I pray that you would move their hearts and their minds to self tell someone about that today. If there's, here, if there's those here that may have made that decision but never been baptized, that very first major step of obedience, I pray that you'd help them decide to do that. And Father, if there's any here that maybe have been coming and they don't have a church home and they need a church family, that you would just have them draw close to us and allow them to become a part of our family. We always love new family members. And Father, we commit all these things to you and we uplift all these things to you. And we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can and would stand, please. Oh, mm -hmm.
you'd have a great resurrection day enjoy one another's company and fellowship with your family and friends 
And please remember, next Saturday at 10.30, immediately following the men's prayer breakfast, there will be a memorial service for Ruth Heatherly. If you have... Uh, um, if you're able to attend that, it'd be greatly appreciated. And the ladies in her class are going to be putting out popcorn and chicken. <laughs> I understand that was Ruth's favorite, so that's what we're going to have. Wrong. 
Christ in us, isn't it? God bless you. Have a great week. Some glad morning when this life is o'er us.